Welcome to Continuing the Conversation. I'm Carl Amuzu. And I'm Glenn Collins. Fos Church is a community creating space for everyone to find hope, beauty, and purpose in the story of Jesus. Continuing the Conversation is one of the ways that we are trying to create space for an expanded dialogue and interactions based on the conversations we're having at Fos Church. And now we're taking a break from our normal series called Soap Sessions in order to acknowledge the part of the Christian calendar, which is Resurrection Sunday or Easter. As we move through our Sunday liturgy, you'll notice that it is polycentric, finding anchorage in three themes, disruption, death, disorientation, and the new possibilities found in resurrection. These three themes that help us along our journey process the death of Jesus as we see the loss of expectations and hope in the mystery of the empty tomb, and it enables us to find new possibility. Before the cross, the hope of God's people lay in the belief that God was present in the temple. In this way, the temple served to remind the people that one could draw near to God. But in the shadow of the cross, the reality of an occupied tomb, the temple is laid bare and God is no longer there. It is this revelation that sees the story shift. And on the third day, the tomb is empty. Jesus is no longer there. So so it is in this reality, the empty temple and the empty tomb, that we find the possibility of God present with us. So before we step into the notion of the head, heart, and hands questions, uh, we'd like to take a moment to pause and just say, um, Carl, do you have anything to add or something that's been on your mind since that sermon? Um, I think one, one of the things that really stood out to me in, in, in the sermon was the, the connection that you actually you actually brought to our attention as we were talking about this. We kind of independently put together kind of two pieces of it. And then when we brought it together, just the overlay that happened. But the, the connection between the empty temple and the empty tomb, like, like that overplay was, has really sat with me. But the interplay between the empty tomb and the empty temple, and like it's actually in the in the void that we actually can sense God's presence. Like what we talked about above, and that like that that word has actually just sat with me over the past week, as we've kind of just are sitting in the shadow of like COVID nineteen, all this kind of stuff. That the reality is is that it's created this massive void for us, right? in our lives, like what, what do we do with our time? What do we do uh, with all the relationships, all the different things that are happening around us? Um, but it's actually in the void is the possibility of God's presence with us. And so it's just been a really great reminder as we've walked into this week. How about you, man? Um, honestly, same interplay has been on my mind, but in the way that with the temple being shown to be empty in its most sacred space and the tomb also being empty, because um, at least for me, whenever part of my story collapses or I find something new, I want to deconstruct everything else and just move the location of my security. If I can't go to the temple, I can now gather around the tomb and it still fixates. But when you pointed that those links show that the only thing left in the gospel of Mark was actually the gathered community, that you couldn't make a central geographic claim. You, you couldn't make a place that says, okay, the sacred object got moved. We'll move it from this location to that locale, but we still are running towards a sacred object. And like you said, um, especially with the idea of COVID-19, we're just left with the sacredness of human connection. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful, man. Um, 
it's interesting. Even today, before we were recording this, um, I was just I was talking with a, with a, with another friend of mine that I actually haven't talked to since high school. So this is, well, it's been a while. Just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been, it's interesting because, like, honestly, if it hadn't been for COVID nineteen, like we probably wouldn't have connected. Like he wouldn't have been home. I wouldn't have been home at the same time on Instagram. And he happened to see something that popped up and he was like, Hey, I should reach out to Carl. And it's actually really, it's really cool that everything else is kind of vacated the scene. Everything else has kind of left the building in a sense. You know I mean? The tomb is empty. The temples are empty. And as you said, we have the sacredness of human connection and it's actually in the void that we actually see that as something that is actually highlighted like we actually get to see it more often like there's an intentionality to the way that we connect with one another that i think hasn't been present for a lot of people in a long time no i um, i'd agree because even around my area since we're trying to be socially responsible and wise by being physically distant that mandate to be physically distant here i've walked around my neighborhood it's about a, a one mile walk for the last three years Suddenly you have people sitting at the edge of their driveway, not coming close to you, but seeing you and an older gentleman's like, Hey, Hey, how's your day? So I've seen you walk before. Um, nice, isn't it? <laughs> and you could tell like, that's awesome. We're rediscovering what it is even to be neighbors. Cause you could tell he wasn't quite sure how to have a random conversation. Cause we have waved when he was trimming hedges in the front yard, but I am the random dude you wave to. And suddenly he's like, wow, I don't get to travel for human connection. I need to see my actual neighbors. And he was grabbing at weather, news, a memory of the good old days he used to like when we knew our neighbors, his grass, just to be like, I can keep the conversation going. I, I can have some connection here. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and, that, and that's like... You know what we always gotta look for, like well we don't always have to but i like to look for a silver lining in the mix of all of it and like that's been the, the silver lining is the connection that we have with other people um the, even the opportunity to meet new people and have new conversations with people i would never ever talk to before um or to see people help each other out in the stores and um having those 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 common moments of like we're going through this together we are in this together um, but we don't have to be alone. Like, like you know what I mean? We're separated, but we don't have to be alone. And, and that, to me, has been like the silver lining in the midst of all of this. Nice. So as we move into the three questions we always ask, our head, heart, and hands. Head usually focuses on something a little more theoretical. It's, it's structural-based, where the heart is how we step into it reflectively. And that's something for us to consider of ourselves so we can try to say what what would this say or demand of me? And the hands question asks, how do we practically move towards? So whether it's engaging the other, being a community of hope or mercy, or just creating room for multiple voices, we ask those practical questions there. Of what does it look like to put our hands to the task? So Carl, what's our head question? So yeah, so Jesus dying on the cross represents the failed dreams of his followers. What do we do with the moments of disruption and disappointment in our hopes and dreams for God? And I, I would even expand that a little bit, like our hopes and dreams for God, but also our, our hopes and dreams for life. Not everybody can necessarily um, engage with the concept of God. It feels too abstract for them, but that well, idea of life. Well, and that's all right, because most of the time when what we talk about when we're talking about God is, is we project a little bit of saying, here's the things I hope for in life. So I put it on to a being that hopes for that for me. So if, if you're saying, what do I hope for? Or 
what did I hope for in God? Often that's a, um, a self-reflective process to where we're saying, here's the beauty I see in life. So you can also understand the question that way of just saying, when the beautiful things in life crash, when the hope turns into disappointment, what do we do? Yeah. Or when the expectations go unmet. Yeah. Yeah. So, Glenn, why don't you jump in on that question first? Um, I'd say as we're going through this, uh, most of the time, I can be a little bit goal-oriented. So when expectations become unmet, I try to measure, readjust, and just say, this time we're going to push harder. But because this was a holy, high holy days for the Christian tradition, we had Good Friday where Jesus is killed, um, Holy Saturday, which is the day we honor the fact that the death of God, Jesus was in, the tomb was filled, and then Easter where it gets released, um, it forced me to, to say it's in these times of disruption, it's okay just to grieve, that I don't have to fix, I don't have to get to that next step, that Easter actually gives you permission that you can sit in that moment of pain, of uncertainty, of not knowing, and in the not knowing, the sacredness of the community you're gathered around can give you hope. Mm. That's good, man. So, I like that concept you just brought up there, the, the, the community that you're gathered around can, can bring you hope. So it's okay to grieve, it's okay to actually say like, that sucks, like that mm -hmm. that's not working. Um, but then it's the community that, gather around, that gathers around in the midst of that, that actually offers hope and a way forward. Um, I, I, I love that, that picture. Because um, I know for myself, like, like I, I, I even have a hard time even like answering this question because I'm, I'm thinking of all the different places that like, oh man, this disappointed, this disappointed, this disruption, this lost expectation or, or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, like I think there's a common fact that comes together with that idea of no matter what's happened, I think like the community that I've been around has offered me hope as a way forward. And, 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 and for me, that community has always been the church. Um, well, I can't say in this, this season of my life, it's been the church. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that when we actually are functioning as the body of Christ, when we show up for each other as the body of Christ, it, it can't help but offer a way forward that looks hopeful. And even to people that are not necessarily, um, quote unquote, insiders in the community, you know, you know, that find themselves looking in, um, can also find themselves as a place of belonging within the community that offers hope, hope as well. When we are, when we are living into that actual vision of being the body of Christ together. Okay. So if I'm hearing you right. You're saying what actually brought hope in the midst of despair was someone just showing up. Yeah. As opposed to, because sometimes I'd say in these moments of angst, um, we try to step in with answers, whether it's all things work together for good, whether there's a purpose, whether better things are going to come your way. Anything that puts this positive spin that don't worry, this is unfortunate, but that just means you get greater things later. But all that does is absolve us from feeling somebody else's angst. And at least if I'm hearing that correctly, is that it was not someone absolving themselves from feeling angst, but sitting by you like, yeah, that sucks. I, I can be here too in this moment. Yeah, definitely. Like the last thing I think people are looking for um, when they're grieving is answers necessarily. Uh, but they, you know, or they, they may not know what they're looking for, but the one thing that they can definitely use in the mix of it is presence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it just reminds me of um, the time, like years back, I had just broken up with my fiance at the time, 
and some well-meaning friends all came up to tell me how better things will come and don't worry she wasn't that cool anyways where it's just in the middle like man we don't have to insult her. It's like, I did ask her to marry me. Right? Yeah, I, was so like, I thought she was great. <laughs> exactly. It's like, we, we don't have to like downplay her or say there's better things. Like, I'm happily married now. She's awesome. I think she's great. But in that moment of pain, there was no point in saying you will get married someday or, well, she wasn't that cool. She was too short or too talented for you. I don't know. But it was something. They always tried to make a reason why she just wasn't a good fit. And I was like, dude. It's okay that life sucks right now. Let it suck. No doubt. Definitely. Yeah. It's you know I I, I like I I take those moments and I and I I don't know like those kind of moments and those friends that are just they're they're well meaning they 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 actually they want to care for you they mm-hmm. they want to be there for you but they be, but they don't know how to sit in the silence they don't know how to sit in the void they don't know how to sit in the occupied tomb moments of life. And so they, they, they want to skip right to Easter, right? Like, like if, you know, they want to skip to the empty tomb. They want to skip to the resurrection moment mm-hmm. and they're well-meaning in trying to do it. But in doing so, they actually, because they're not comfortable, they don't, they, they don't want you to be comfortable there as well. Does, or if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Yeah, like they, they can't allow you to stay there. Do, do you see that partly within um, the positive ism of western culture like for canada and the states where we're from um there's a sense that it always has to be good and so we don't have much space in our social narratives to say that life is painful and so when it comes to those painful moments we only have a choice of escapism or numbing because those actions usually are to numb the pain or to give you an excuse to escape into something rather than just sitting in the very human moment that God is dead and our hope of a new kingdom died with him. Yeah. Um, I definitely see that within our, our culture, like that positive, the positivism, as you, as you called it, <clears throat> sir, I definitely see that. And, and it's interesting that like in, in, you know, Canada follows suit, I think as far as like addiction goes, um, and a lot of Western countries, they follow suit. Like America, I think had, you know, Amer- like with, with addiction rates as far as America goes and that kind of stuff. And I think it was Wendell Berry, the poet Wendell Berry, that that said that like it's only in the West that we see these massive rates of of, of addiction because they're they're trying they're trying to to cover up, like 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 they're, they're trying to cover up. Um, the ability to sit in the negative in a sense, you know what I mean? Like we're told from the get go, like things have to be positive. And so like, like addiction and that kind of stuff then becomes our vehicle to try to get to that positive space artificially. Right. Like, so like, as you talk about escaping it, escaping or, or numbing it. And so if we can't feel the pain, well, things must be good then. Right. Or if I can, if I can forget about the pain temporarily, then things at least we will be temporarily. Okay versus cultures that have learned to actually have lament as a ritual lament as a process um they've you know they, they, they've learned to sit with the pain and i think like the west and we can we can we can learn from that like we don't always have to be positive let's mm-hmm. just things let's just say things are crappy let's just say things don't work you know what i mean like especially like in, in the season like I, I hear a mixture of people who don't know how to cope with the fact that things are hard right now completely they're just overwhelmed by the fact because they've never actually had to sit in this kind of like silent moment per se. Um, and then other people who like, like, like in their minds, they're just, 
Well, it's it's they, they they like someone could say, man, I'm having a hard time right now. My mental health is not doing so good. All this isolation isn't working for me. Hey, but in a month we're gonna be out of here, right? Like they they just want to skip over the process. Like this person. Like lament is actually good for your mental health. Lament is good for your heart. Lament mm -hmm. is good for your soul in that sense, and, right? And that brings a really good transition to the heart question, where we move from the filled cross to the empty tomb. And we all find ourselves standing in front of the empty tomb, pondering what new possibilities can be in life. So we ask, what stories can you think of where you get to encounter the risen Jesus in your life and other people. Mm. I know for myself, it's actually been within this uh, COVID crisis that I've got to see something rather unique and beautiful, which is um, I'm connected to a few churches and they put out some fillers to say, Hey, can we have a list of people in our area who need help? Um, would you guys want to be a part of just, we're going to receive needs and just try to get it spread as much as possible. So, in light of the empty tomb, getting to have those Christ moments, uh, it leaves us the same place of Mark. Um, our society is locked down. We're not sure what's next. The, the whole country is holding their breath waiting. But the hope within the gathered people saying, we can wait together. And so there's been an uptick of people doing free art classes online so that you can learn to paint with them. There's been an uptick of people uh, just putting it out. Um, a few people I follow that are creators on Instagram said, hey, we have a spare $5,000. Please send us, um, I think the person asked for uh, 10 names. And they said, we just want to help people out, 10 people that you know are in need. Um, and it's theirs. And I saw about five different people do that and a few people share stories because that kind of generosity, that kind of new life is contagious. And people shared stories of people uh, direct messaging them saying, hey, I want to get on this. I have 2,000 to throw in this. Jump it up from 10 to 14. Let's just help people get groceries. Dude, that's awesome, man. Um, are you are you part of the Facebook group, uh, COVID-19 Vancouver or whatever, uh, like support? Like I'm going to be very honest. If Brittany has not signed me up on something on Facebook, I'm not a part of it, so I don't know. Okay, um, so there's there's a Facebook group on 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 Facebook, obviously. Uh, that it's That's like novel. like support each other, like support each other during COVID nineteen. And then there's a Vancouver group, there's a Surrey group. Oh nice. Um, but the Vancouver one kind of stretches like to Metro Vancouver, and it's been really cool to actually watch that group because people will be like, hey, um, like 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 I saw a story of one person. I, I wish I could remember the person's name. I don't have that kind of memory, but. Like he's like I'm actually I'm I'm, be, I'm able to get onto a relief flight out of the Philippines. He's he's you know what I mean. So they're actually bringing me back, and I have to be able to shelter in place and self quarantine for 14 days when I get back. But the reality is I don't. I still have to rent a place. I don't know where I'm gonna go. And he's like, if anybody could help me out, we're trying to find a spot. And you know the first few comments were people saying like, well, there's hotels, there's whatever. Like, good luck, buddy. Be on your way, and then the but but all of a sudden there was a flood of comments like, hey, I don't think that was super helpful, but hey, if you I know this person, this person, and this person, they might be able to offer you some space, da 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 da, and like those kind of stories for me in the midst of all of this, like random strangers, it's like I've never met you before, but hey, I think I have a room at my house for you because that's gonna be the thing that's gonna allow you to be able to find safety again or to feel safe again, 
and and like like when I when I see those stories and, and you know like they're they're not coming from the church per se mm-hmm. you know you know what I mean and I think that's like like part of it is um, how do I put it the misconception when we when like 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 not misconception um, I'm blanking on the word uh, we want to jump to stories only from the church when mm. we talk about stories of encountering the risen Jesus. But when I see stories like that that come from outside of the church, I have no idea what this person's faith tradition is or whatever. Um, but when I hear these stories, I'm like, I can't help but see Jesus in the midst of those stories. I can't help but see like God present in the midst of those stories. Like, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's, it's, those, those have been really encouraging for me um, because they've definitely held uh, a stronger, you know, counterweight to the negative stuff that's out there from other people. And so, the, the the stories of the the empty tomb, like the community gathered around the empty tomb, the community of new possibility, the community of new life, um, I think are ever present around us in the, in this season. It's been it's, and that's again going back to what we talked about before. It's one of the beautiful yeah. things that's happening. And um, Carl points out to something that's um, neat for your own reflection in this is rather than I think it's beautiful. So I always try to highlight what the church is doing, largely because when the church is fulfilling its vocation to represent God in such a way that when you see the church, you would say God would be loving, kind, gracious, considerate, and inclusive. Um, I like to big up when I see uh, something that's sacred to me showing that it can be its best possible self. But what Carl's pointing to is if we say that Jesus, um, God, would be love, joy, peace, kindness, generosity, charity kind of events, then anywhere we can put our finger on it, we can notice it, we can say that this is an outpouring of the empty tomb, at least for the way that we've come to understand who God would be, that we could point to these empty tomb moments that say, yes, this is still true, regardless of the tradition it comes from, because if you honor that which is true, beautiful, and loving, that must go back to the one that we say that this is fruit of that characteristic. Definitely, and I and I and I love that, that that that's such an expansive view of what the church could be, you know, because I mean, it's definitely not about hating on 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 the church or or anything like that for sure, is you know what I mean. But when we limit it to say we can only find God within the quote unquote church, um, then we we limit the possibility of God's presence and, and it's like or people being able to see God's presence and for us to be able to see God's presence. But when we say that that God can be found. Um, in all the stories of hope, all the stories of love, all the stories, you know, that these, these, tr- these, sto- these true stories in that sense mm-hmm. um, highlight where God is present, then the church and the way that we understand the church and ourselves becomes this expansive and inclusive reality that, that has space for everybody, not just those who, who, we, who want to kind of read the same credal lines as us, the credal confessions as us. Absolutely. Um. And moving from that kind of reflective moment, we want to step into that moment of the hands question. How can we make this a little more tangible? So our hands question today is how do we allow ourselves, uh, my apologies, let me read it with the right words. How do we allow our experiences of the risen Jesus to help us point others towards the new possibilities and hope of the risen Jesus? Why don't you set this question off, man? Well, first I'd say... We both tend to be drawn towards philosophy and theology, so I apologize when our things are wordy, um, because that's what happens. But what I think this is driving towards is 
how do we let our experiences that we've just named of seeing the possibility of Jesus around us create ways for us to be able to show this experience as a, a lived experience? Um, and for myself, I know the, the biggest way I've been affected by people in witnessing these things is one, people creating the space for me to be able to sit in those moments, sit in that tension, because anytime a story comes up that's counter to my own, one that I may not be able to immediately recognize myself in, it can create angst. But if I'm recognizing God in all the places, then I'd have to be able to also create that space for other people to sit around my story and hold angst. And so it becomes very much, um, trying not to use those words. Well, why don't you use them and then define them? <laughs> got you. Um, if, if you want a really cool person to read, you should read Rene Girard and some of the notion that he called the, the mimetic response, the, the drive of humanity to imitate. He uses it to describe some of the notion that we have a mimetic response towards violence, that we escalate violence because there's no true trade-off there. But he also uses it to talk about the mimetic response of compassion. And it's in that notion I think we make this tangible, that as I've experienced, as I've received, I imitate, um, I enter into that um, mimetic response that as I experience grace, compassion, and space to be in tension and to benefit others, I start creating those moments of grace, compassion for others, which is not an automatic thing. We have to intentionally put into our minds a sense of how do I create that space? Because most of the time we accept grace and then we close boundaries. We say, it was good for me, but I'm still the right person. In a sense, we don't recognize that both the tomb and the temple were empty. We try to fill them back up so that we can still have a locative, definitive thing to claim rather than pulling towards a sacred community. Mm. Ooh, that's good, man. That's really good. When you were talking about that, the mimetic response idea to compassion versus the mimetic response to violence, um, I couldn't help but automatically begin to put it in other categories, like the mimetic response to hope mm -hmm. or versus the mimetic response to fear. And like right now, like we're seeing in the 24-hour news cycle, you know, that whole thing happening, there's this, this massive uptick in fear that's, that's being played out. Um, but... But part of it, again, I think is that, is, is that people imitating the fear that's in front of them, right? Like, like it's, it's funny because there's, there's people that I know that have been completely cool this whole time. And all of a sudden, they, they spent a couple days watching certain news programs. And now they can't help but tell you about all the conspiracy theories, all the stuff that's happening. Everything is so bad. We'll call it, the world's going to explode, basically. I'm like, dude, two days ago, you were okay. And like you just saw this uptick in fear that, that hit. And so, like, for me, it just begins to ask the question then, like, well, what do we do to actually help condition people then to have a mimetic response to hope instead of fear? How do we actually help people to do that? Because I think that's, that's, a, that's, like, that's the key to helping people, I think, make it through, like, these seasons of, like, of, of, of chaos and, 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 and tombs still full moments. Like, you know what I mean? The silence, as I would call it. Yeah, and that also points to something I think helps us make this tangible. What we see in the um, cross of Christ and the empty tomb, again, this is pulling from Rene Girard, so he's can be difficult to read if you're not used to philosophy, but you should still do it, is he said the unique part about the Christian story is that Jesus was the first victim of the machines that was obviously innocent, because every other story told in antiquity would put a, 
a part of guilt somehow the person in the story had to say, I see how I caused this trouble myself. So for us to tell these better stories, because Carl's pointing to a notion that the stories we listen to and repeat help define and shape our world. So when you start listening to and repeating the stories of fear, the story of everything is going to hell in a handbasket of disruption, chaos, it actually starts shaping your world into that. And that's a very tangible way to say, what stories am I consuming and retelling? But within the cross Easter Eastertide season, we get to see that, yes, Jesus told a better story by not having violence save him from the cross, but he still named the injustice. So it wasn't from a place of blind optimism. He said, these machines of Rome and empire could not stand, but they broke because of the empty tomb. So he told a better story while still facing the truth of that setting. And that's what I think we need to try to give ourselves to. In these cycles, yes, we need to tell a better story, but the better story we can tell in light of this pandemic is that we realized a wider humanity that echoes the call of God throughout the land and that we can take care of each other. That there's hope if we value people over profits. There's hope if we understand that if right now we have to pull back and isolate a little bit, we will be able to have the most people survive because what we invest in, what we hope in, and what is tangible is the sacred community around us. The buildings and the systems can all be reshaped, redone, and rebuilt. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's awesome, man. Yeah, like I just, I think like, when we're, like just to answer the, like the hands question to, to kind of go back to that, like when you brought up the, the mimetic response idea, mm -hmm. um, like that was just a perfect way to answer that question. Because like people are gonna imitate the narratives that they're given, bottom line. And I think one of the beautiful things that the church has the opportunity to do is that I think we genuinely, like I genuinely believe we have a better story, mm -hmm. right? And and again, it's not it's not about saying like to disqualify the people's stories. I think there's it's inclusive and expansive enough to include a lot of stories. Um, but at the same time, like we genuinely believe, like when when we when we when we when the church is doing their job, when the church is you know on 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 mission in a sense, the vocation of the church is to highlight where God is already present. So when we tell these stories of hope, we tell tell these beautiful things that are happening. When we can point to what the church is doing, but we can also point to what other people that who who knows what faith tradition they are mm -hmm. that are doing. These things are are actually highlighting where God is already present, and it allows other people then to begin to have that. As you said, mimetic response towards hope, towards beauty, towards uh, I, I was you know purpose in the story of Jesus. Just to quote a really good vision statement that somebody wrote one day. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't trying to go there, but it went there. Hey, you know what? That's why it's part of our vision statement because we believe the reason why we can still gather around the Bible and the collection of stories within it is because the stories that we retell we recontextualize and that we repeat always shapes the world that we live into. Definitely, definitely. Hey man, this is like a good moment where we could probably let's, let's sum up what we talked about and then we'll just, we'll just close it up after. So to try to put it into a concise statement for the three questions we talked about is for the first question, what do we do in the light of the death of our expectations, hope, we realize that we could step into the sacred community because when all else becomes empty, there's no more sacred magic object to fix us 
that we're called to each other. In light of that, how do we recognize the Jesus of the empty tomb? We come into contact with Jesus as we learn to hear his voice in other people, to see the touch of compassion, kindness all around us as something that points back to the empty tomb. And this becomes tangible as we tell better stories, not in denial of the violence around us, not blindly optimistic, but one that can see the the pain and say, we are in this together. And as we draw together, we can create the world we hope to live into. That's a great way to sum it up. And so uh, I would also add, remember the words, mimetic response, and make sure that it's connected to hope and compassion and joy and beauty and purpose instead of fear and violence and all those other things that we don't need. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but so, so to wrap it up, uh, we just always want to invite everybody to, to, to just kind of hang with us, to join us. So you can join us at www.fos, that's F-O-S dot church. Uh, but you can find different ways to connect with us there and journey with us. And so at 5 p.m. on Sundays, uh, you can join with us online right now in this season. And uh, we have a, a community conversation and a liturgy that we walk through together. And we'd just love to invite you to participate in that with us. And uh, so just thanks for joining us and have a great week. God bless.